You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to the Brand Builders Podcast brought to you by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan, and Molly Grantham, who is the anchor of WBTV News at 530 and 11. She is a two-time Emmy-winning anchor and investigative reporter who has been named TV News Reporter of the Year for both the Carolinas, one of Charlotte's top 40 under 40, and one of Mecklenburg County's 50 Most Influential Women, as well as a new author to her new book called Small Victories, The Off-Camera Life of an On-Camera Mom. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate the introduction. And Molly, uh, such an honor to have you on today. Thank you very much for spending a few, few minutes of your time. I'm just curious, like, I feel like I need to go get back to work after that introduction. I know, I actually feel like I like to meet that girl, so. How in the world do you fit all of this into your day and your calendar and everything you have going on? Well, that sounded, I think you put everything in my whole life in one paragraph so that, you know, it makes it sound a little bit more, a less prettier, I guess, than it might be. But um, I don't know. People ask it all the time. I don't sleep a lot. I will say that. I'll admit that. I work two to midnight, so you know, you're still pretty jacked up after midnight. You're not going to immediately go home and go to bed. So I'm not going to bed till late. And then I get up early with kids. So you just end up having more hours in the day than most people who sleep eight hours a day. <laughs> so That's I'm incredible. about to be a parent. Can you, t- can you tell me exactly how much sleep I'm going to be getting? Uh, not much. I don't think in the beginning. Depends how you and your uh, wife figure that out, but not too much in the beginning. Fantastic. Well, you you have, like we said, a lot going on. Tell us about your new book, Small Victories for Starters. And How'd you find the time? And, and please tell us, you know, your life is just as crazy as ours, you know? I know it but, is. Well, everyone's lives are crazy. I think um, I don't know how I found the time. I just knew that I wanted to do it. And then I did it in a ridiculously fast amount of space. In five and a half months, I self-published the book. So oh that um, became a little psycho. And I could I can say that candidly. <laughs> But I really wanted to do it. I've always wanted to write a book, and I have had dreams of writing some beautiful prose and some beautiful like intellectual um, fiction. And this is not that. This is real life. This is nonfiction. This actually started as Facebook posts on maternity leave with my second child. And I will never forget that I was he was six days old, and Parker at the time was three and a half. And I was trapped in the house and you can't do anything. And my husband was going off to work and I have a big career and I wasn't going to go back to that career for the next three months. And it was awful. And I felt horrible (laughs) and I missed myself and I missed just doing anything. And I had all these thoughts and I put something out on Facebook sort of haphazardly saying, well, I showered today, small victory. (laughs) And people responded. And so the next week I wrote something else about whatever it was in my head at the time, time management, I think. It was so impossible to get out of the house with a two-week-old and a three-and-a-half-year-old. And then week three was something else in week four, and it really started that organically. And so after um, 30 months was this past April, and I was like, this is a good stopping point to put them into a book if I ever wanted to do it. And I've continued to write them on Facebook, but you know, that's how the book came about. It was that grassroots. You just jotted down these moments? I did. I did. I jotted down and it became, you know, once he got a little bit older and I was back at work and then it became trying to balance, even though I hate the word balance because who actually has balance? But, um, you know, going back to work and having 50 hours a week at work, but also having the two kids at home and having them be so young and need so much, it became like the, the cluttered thoughts in my head on that. And it wasn't all about angels singing and beautiful babies and how much I loved it all like that was that was not really the MO it was more like why does everybody say this is so wonderful I think it's really tough um 
and then people responded to it, and that is that's truly how how it came about. That's incredible. It, it, so a lot of people have this mindset that when you have a kid, that needs to be the most important thing in your life, right? Correct. But I feel like in this era, there's a lot of people, male, female, that are getting very successful in their career, and that's a part of who they are as well. Does this book tell you a little bit more about how you juggle that, but also how you really missed your career and and really putting yourself and your career first, but at the same time loving your kids? As Absolutely. Well? That's that's. I've had a lot of feedback from people saying. Um, well, you need to make your kids a top priority, and how can you dare say that you missed working? But the bottom line is, Parker is my daughter. She's a part of me. Hutch is my son. He's a part of me. My career I've worked my whole life for and I'm proud of is also a part of me. Now, one of those three things is not like the other two, but they're all a part of me. And I am fine saying that I am multifaceted and like my career, appreciate my career, and also love my kids dearly. I would be a worse mother if I sat at home with them all day knowing my personality. I am a better mom because I go off, have something that speaks to myself, and then goes back home. And I think that's for men, women, parenting. It's not like a mommy thing. And it's not a stay-at-home mom versus a working mom thing. I think everybody misses pieces of themselves when they get all caught up in whatever it is they're caught up in. doesn't need to be parenting at all. You could be all in on your job all the time and never have an outlet for you, and you're going to go crazy. Wow. <laughs> That's why yeah, you got to read the book. Everyone. It, it, we do have to read the book. I don't have children and, and uh, there are reasons for that, but it, it just, it, you know, it amazes me how, how folks get it all done. But then you see, I see my friends who allow the children to run their lives, but let's back up. You brought them into the world they need to sort of mold to your life exactly. and what you have going in on. My and that's opinion, my mindset, but I can't offer a whole lot of advice there because I don't have children. Well, I think you can. I have friends that don't have kids, and then they always say, well, I don't have kids, so I can't. I'm like, no, 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 you can. It doesn't matter if you have kids or if you have, like, you know, the perfect marriage and 2.5 kids and one dog and a picket fence. Like, that's not the goal. It's just what are your thoughts on it? And my thoughts before I had children and now that I have children have always been I love them. I want to raise them to be independent. I want them to mold to me. And my husband sure. and I have a life, and we've had a life, and so they can mold to us. Um, Love that. Yeah, I mean, I've just, and I didn't know, especially in a, let's be candid, I'm in a career where everything's picture perfect, and you have to give off an image of being this sort of persona of perfection all the time, and I'm not. I'm, there's a lot of imperfections. <laughs> I have a lot of messes. And so I think writing about that, in a way, was a little scary, and if I had thought about it too much on day six when Hutch was day six and I was ready to go crazy, if I would thought about it, I might have stopped myself. And I'm so glad I didn't. I'm so glad I just put the real raw out there. And I think that and I think people will respect that and want to hear that and see it. I you hope know? so. Absolutely. Well, I congratulations. So. That's Thanks. that's fascinating. Can't Thanks. wait to read it. Thanks. It's everywhere. It's um yeah, today I'll be in Kings Mountain for a book signing. So that'll be, and then tomorrow, Huntersville, Burkdale, Barnes & Noble from noon to two tomorrow in Huntersville. Awesome. Yeah. Heck yeah. That's awesome. And, and, and Molly, you, you have a, a unique story. You came from Pennsylvania. Um, you came down here to UNC at Chapel Hill. I know we have to add that part. Uh, that's very important. <laughs> um, and you, you got a degree in broadcast journalism and, and you've kind of seen, you know, the industry change a lot um, from... You know, when you got the news, you'd come home, you turn on the news at six o'clock and that was your only outlet. You know, you, you knew it was almost like the news crew was part of your family. Every night you came home. Now it seems like everybody's a journal journalist, um, whether it's through Twitter, whether it's through their own blogs. So tell us how, a, what made you want to get into journalism and then really how have you adapted throughout the time to, to stay on top of it, but really 
Um, what makes you, what challenges you every day? You know, when you have to do this job that's changed so much in the last five, 10, 15 years. There's a lot in there. I wanted to become a journalist. I've always wanted to become a reporter. Always. I always wanted to be a newspaper reporter. I love writing um, and was involved heavily in my high school newspaper and then at Chapel Hill a little bit with the Daily Tar Heel. And I just always wanted to do that. My senior year of college got an internship at a TV station in Raleigh and within 10 minutes changed my entire childhood dream to be a television reporter because I could have cared less about being on TV. It was more that you had images to tell a story. And sometimes one picture can tell you what it might take five paragraphs to write. And for me, it fit better with how my mind worked in telling stories. So um, switched a little, I was still journalism, but switched to TV at that point. And, you know, it's a competitive career. You, you have to, I think, be good and driven, and you also have to get darn lucky. And so those things all kind of worked out at the same time for me and uh, eventually went to Lexington, Kentucky, and then from Lexington came to Charlotte in 2003, and I've been here ever since. And I never thought I'd still be here, but I am. And how has it evolved? Everyone is a journalist, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone yeah. thinks you look they at have Facebook, all the answers. You think that anyway. Yeah. I know, and I think it can be a real hindrance to people that truly know how to ask the right questions and want double sources before just broadcasting something on some big public platform. And in the same breath, I have really liked social media. I have loved Facebook for the community connection. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned about how journalists sort of feel like part of your family many, many years ago. I still feel that way, but it might not be from the 5.30 news or the 11 o'clock news, although I hope it is. My bosses certainly hope it is. <laughs> I really think people feel connected because I write about my kids or because I'll put things on Facebook that can be shared. And so maybe you didn't see that two minutes on the news at six o'clock, but you read it a day later on Facebook. So you can still hear the story and get the facts that I'm giving you out of it. And I think that that can be a really beautiful thing. Absolutely. Um, and so you've got a long history with Susan G. Komen Foundation and the Carolina Breast Friends. Can you tell us a little bit about that and your backstory and Absolutely. your involvement? Um, Thanks for asking, actually. So, wow, where do you start? Cancer's hit my family really hard. Um, breast cancer, most notably and most recently. But my grandfather died of pancreatic cancer, and my dad died 11 years ago of colon cancer, and my mom died this year of breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And my mom's mom, my Grammy, had breast cancer, and my great-grandmother on the maternal side as well had died of breast cancer long before I ever knew her. So... You know, breast cancer is something I want to fight for, as is colon cancer. I miss my dad hugely. And pancreatic cancer is heavy on my mind. So is pediatric cancer when all these kids just get sent to me, their stories, and you see babies fighting cancer. There's something even, you know, cancer's, it's just cancer's crappy anyway, but to hit a kid is like, that's just the worst, most unfair thing. So the breast cancer part of it has been, um, I've just grown up with it. You know, I was seven years old, and I remember my grandmother at the time, having a double mastectomy and I was seven and she lifted her shirt. She was a very classy woman and she wanted to show me the raw staples because she wanted to teach, mm. you know, her grandkids and particularly her female grandkids, her granddaughters. It was me and my two-year-old granddaughter or cousin who had no idea, mm. <laughs> but I got it. And I, I can remember that image right now. It's very stark. And then when I was 12, my mom was diagnosed and then she was re-diagnosed six years ago. So, you know, when you have that much personal impact, you either 
you want to get involved. Yeah, exactly. You either want to be sad about it or get involved and make a difference. It's a it, very similar story. My mother passed away when I was 10 mm-hmm. of leukemia. Mm-hmm. And, and so we went through that, you know, and, and uh, I've learned the hardships of that. I've learned, you know, similar stories to yours. My grandfather passed away of kidney cancer, um, all kinds of things. And friends, uh, Josh Jones is a best friend of mine, and he lost his daughter Libby. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Libstrong. Oh, yeah. Um, and she Libstrong. was three, and she had leukemia. And it, it's, just, it's just too commonplace now. And, uh, you know, our similar passion with 24 Foundation. It, it, I want to give back. Like, I, I want to make some sort of impact going forward to help others not have to go through that. It's, I mean, it's terrible to you be 10 years, you were 10, uh, 10 years That's old, really young. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, a little more about my story. My dad was fortunate enough to remarry. I was an only child at the time, but, uh, we, I then had two stepbrothers and in 2001, his new wife passed away of a brain aneurysm, Oh my gosh. getting ready for work one morning. So, uh, very familiar with, with close family members passing away. Um, by nature, I try to take the best out of, out of terrible situations and it's taught me a lot about living day to day like enjoy every single day because we just we just don't know i feel like we need to switch the tides (laughs) well maybe we can can, but and i didn't want to take over because we want to hear about you but no stop i wanted to make that connection uh well isn't it crazy how cancer hits some families in huge ways and other families can have huge big families but nobody has cancer which great for them but there's it's like one in three people get cancer that's a statistic Except sometimes it's like all of those people are in one family and then other families could have huge families and they don't know anybody even with any type. And to me, that's, you know, really count your blessings if that's your family because other families get hit really hard. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So your exposure with the Susan G. Komen and the fabulous things they're doing, I think I think over time we'll we'll kick cancer's ass, you know? And, so. uh, oh, we can say ass on this podcast? We can just say whatever oh, we want to say. Oh, I didn't know you guys didn't tell me that. <laughs> Open it up. And, you know, one, one thing um, when we met and, and what I've, you know, grown to love about you is what you've done with Molly, Molly's kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the stories are awesome. They, they make you cry, but, but it's, it's, it's unique and it's cool to kind of understand that story from your perspective and from the people's perspective going through it. What have you learned um, from that process of starting Molly's kids and, and maybe from the fight of the kids or what the parents go through. Tell us a little bit about that entire experience and, wow. and what, what have you learned from it? Um, Molly's kids, first of all, started, again, organically. There was not anybody saying, let's do a segment where you feature children that are sick. Like, no one ever, ever said that. Um, I've just sort of always been drawn to children with uphill medical battles while also covering crime and gangs. It's not, you know, it's been sort of a dichotomy of stuff, but... And with Facebook, more and more families would just start writing me, and I wouldn't have to bring TV cameras into the hospital. I could just write about them and interview the parents on the phone, talk to them, get pictures on email, and you just start writing about it, and then you write more and more, and it spreads. And I never contact any family. They have to contact me. They have to want to lift their child up, and if they do, I'm happy to volunteer and do that. So that's just how it sort of has became uh, about. You know, I don't even know if BTV like realized what was happening as it was happening. They've just been supportive when I say, oh, I actually now want to do a TV story on this child. Okay, great. Go ahead. Um, but it was by no means like a, 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 I just hate that sometimes that segment, you know, like we're going to do a television segment now on sick kids. Like that's not ever been what it is. And I think that's why people react to it. What have I learned from them? Mm, I, every, kids are just really smart. You know, kids are really smart. And 
I don't want to get choked up here, but there's like kids I can think of this week that I've written about, and they're five or six or eight, and they know words that adults don't know, medical words that are like things mm. happening to their body, and and they they say it with a smile or with a little kid voice, and um, you know they go through adult things and they get really mature really fast, and then they'll say to you like, but I wonder what Santa's gonna bring me this year, and you're like, this is so crazy that. You know, I've got two healthy kids, and I get mad because they whine about something. And I just want to sometimes say, like, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. And I'm glad you don't have to grow up as fast as a lot of kids do. No kidding. And back to that parenting thing, I, I think that's such an amazing lesson for them. And they they have such a wonderful role model uh, to to grow up around. And they're fortunate in a lot of ways. And that That's a big one. Thank you. Thank <laughs> for you. sure. The Molly's Kids thing, I think I've done a lot of great things I'm proud of in my career. Some things I'm not, I guess, as proud of. but We um, all have I, that. Yeah, I think we do. I think that's life lessons. But I will say that I hope that in some sense that my legacy can become Molly's Kids. Um, and it always goes on because there's always kids diagnosed with some uphill medical battle. And if their family wants you to know about them and lift them up and just get some extra happy thoughts because they have so many tough ones, then we should, hell, we should be doing that. Absolutely. That's excellent. So you've always been... Um, you know, on the opposite side of the mic, right? You're the one asking the questions. And, and you know, with us, we're, we're amateurs here. Um, it's kind of cool having a, having a pro in the studio asking her questions. It's very great. cool. Um, I'm intimidated. Oh, it's totally. I think you guys are great. So when you're out, like when you're a journalist, I guess I'm just kind of curious from this. When you're like trying to get the story, right? And you're trying to get the right questions. Like what goes through a day of being a journalist? Because I think a lot of people, like you mentioned from the internet, everybody thinks they're a journalist. They get one source that might not even be a real source. They write an article, they post it, and they want clickbait, right? They want to get the first mm -hmm. click. There's so much more to that, right? So tell us, like, in a day of your life of going and creating or, or finding a story, what is that like? Mm. Well, my job's really different now because I'm anchoring and I'm mostly, I still do investigative reports. I still do stories. It's not a daily reporter type thing. Um, and so my job now and what I would describe to you is different than if you're, like, the reporter going out in the field to talk to so-and-so of whatever's just happened. So if you were doing that, it's really hard because there's so many platforms you need to now have things on. You're not just putting your television story together. You are also getting your web story together. You're making sure to do some like videos to promote this on whatever. And the web team needs this. And the social media team, digital department needs this. And so there's a lot of things. It's constant multitasking. And it's fast. You don't have all day if you're a reporter in any television station in Charlotte to just do your story. You might have two stories, three stories. You might be live in the four, the five, the six. You, know, you don't know, and everything's different. You're speaking to different producers. Some of that's fun. I think some of that is really hard, and I am just in awe of a lot of the reporters we're bringing in who are young. Every station's doing this, 23, 24 years old. They are still trying to figure out their job. They might have had a couple years' experience at a first-time station to get their feet wet, but they're coming in, and they're shooting their own video. They're editing their own video. They're reporting their own story. They're doing their own live shots. Male, female, doesn't matter. You know, the live backpacks now, you can go live with a backpack and you have these lightweight cameras. Um, you know, and if you're if you're a female in particular, I always feel like if you're a female in the morning show, live at three in the morning out on the side of the road or five in the morning, but you get in at three in the morning or you're in our 11 o'clock news and you're covering some murder somewhere, there's a level of danger there. When I was reporting, I had a photographer, male or female, didn't matter, but at least there were two of us out there. And I think it's a really different day and age for journalism, television journalism in particular. Wow. 
Wow. And it, and I think there's a lot of people that will watch you and, and whether they're young girls, young guys and say, wow, this is really cool. Like, I, I, I like that. What would be your advice um, to somebody? Because it's going to constantly change. But what would be your advice if, if they want to get into this industry, if they want to be on TV and, and they want to follow kind of in your path? Well, I always say never say you want to be on TV. And I get asked all the time. Um, you want to write. You want to tell stories. You want to be a reporter. And I never cared about being an anchor. I'll be really honest. I was offered the weekend anchor job at first, and I told my boss no. I wanted to report. <laughs> um, I just didn't care about being on set and sort of the image with that. And then um, I'm really glad I went back to him a day later and was like, so if that's still on the table, <laughs> I'd like to change. Because as I evolved, I, I appreciate the editorial. I have a little, little bit more editorial control input. You can sort of help control the pacing of a show on a bigger picture of a newscast, which I have learned to really love. Um, but I would recommend to anyone, get involved in whatever level you are, high school, college, whatever, in stuff. And there's so much stuff now, whether it's podcasts or blogs or newspaper or just write. Like write. Mm -hmm. do so. It's writing. It's reporting. It's not like how cute you look on TV. And if someone asks me, which I get all the time, all these girls that want to be on TV, like, what color lipstick do you wear? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I, don't I immediately tell, I will respond. <laughs> I'm always nice to respond, but I respond quite firmly in a way that's like, don't ever make that mistake and ask someone else mm -hmm. that question because you are, your head's not in the right place. How do you keep up with all the responses? I mean, you have a, a huge following. Is, is that a team behind you or no, is that something? I wish it was. Is yeah. Yeah. Volunteer? <laughs> hey, I need like five of you to respond to all these comments. Yeah. No. An intern for Molly. I do, I've had an intern apply. the past three summers, Perfect. all from yeah. Carolina, actually. Excellent. I am. So I had a couple people email already saying, I'm going to be home winter break and I'd like to see if this summer I could be your intern. So I'm going to quote unquote interview them, which basically means like, do we get along? And sure. <laughs> do you have an interest in writing? And do you care about these kids and Facebook? Book. So, um, but yes, no, there is no one else. And I don't, any, no one in, in local news here would have like people behind them. We're all gotcha. just sort of doing our own thing um, and working for the team that you're working for. So I really would love help if anyone would like to email and say, I'd love to come in and chatter you for a couple of days. Come on in. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Got it. It's crazy. So. Excellent. And, and one other um Quick question, you know, with your book coming out, with the uh, the studio uh, or, or the TV, excuse me, what are some ways that people can get in touch with you? I know you have a Facebook. Um, I think everybody needs to go and get this book. Thank but tell you. us, how, how can they how can they reach out to you and and what would be the best way? Uh, there's tons of ways. Um, Facebook, there's messaging, but that gets a little um, covered up fast and lose that. Email is always best. Email, 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 email. I don't lose emails. I have psycho organization files in my email inbox. So mgrantham at wbtv.com. To get the book, it's everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the indie stores, Park Road Books, wherever. But it's all listed very, very clearly on mollygrantham.com. And then obviously Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, la, 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 la. So thank you for sharing your story and for being such a great part of our Charlotte community and beyond. And we wish you the best with the book signing and the, the book sales and, and all the greatness you have going on. And uh, we really appreciate your time today. I am really honored you guys asked. Thank you. I think what you're doing is great and giving people a platform to talk about stuff that they care about. You asked all the right questions. Oh, Coleman, Molly's we'll kids, hey, my maybe kids, we, if, news, If we don't make it in, uh, in our world, maybe <laughs> we can come on over to the news station. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you, Molly. Take care. Been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com. <laughs>